DiscerningHearts.com presents Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors. I'm your host, Chris McGregor, and I am delighted to be joined by Father Michael Gately, who is the Director of Evangelization for the Marians of the Immaculate Conception and the author of the best-selling books, 33 Days to Morning Glory, Consoling the Heart of Jesus, and The One Thing is Three. Father Michael lives and works on Eden Hill in Stockbridge, Massachusetts, home of the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy. With Father Michael Gately, we go inside the pages of The Second Greatest Story Ever Told. Now is the Time of Mercy. Published by Marion Press. Father Gately, thank you so much for joining me. Well, good to be on the show again. It is just a, such a tremendous blessing to be able to talk to you again about another work that you're bringing forward. It, I, but I have to go back to that very first conversation that we had in the very first book that I became aware of your wonderful work, and that was 33 Days to Morning Glory. And what a phenomenal impact it has had on the spiritual life of so many people. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, I think um, some of, if you've, if you've heard any of the talks that I give, sometimes they tell a story of some of the um, uh, the people who had been praying for me for a very long time. That book actually came as a surprise to me in that I, I think I was the last person who should have ever written that book because I had dryness with my devotion to Mary for about 15 years. And there were several people who were praying like crazy for me to uh, have a kind of a, a, a revamping or a, or a rekindling of my devotion to Mary. And I think that book, which helped me a lot, was actually the, the fruit of their prayers. So... So it's really uh, thanks to my spiritual mothers, <laughs> who uh, with that book is the fruit of their prayers, and thankfully I didn't get too much in the way <laughs> that it was able to come to fruition. Well, Father Gately, I, I have to say the second greatest story ever told was such a surprise to me. I hope you, and I say that with a, with the greatest joy in my heart, because when I picked it up, I thought, well, there is John Paul, and he's surrounded by some wonderful saints, so I wonder what this is going to be about. I yeah. couldn't put it down. I absolutely wow loved this book because it put so many pieces together for me and it has sent me on a tremendous track on my spiritual journey. Thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you for that feedback. The book just came out, um, well, I think last month, so I, I haven't actually had a lot of feedback, so that's, I'm, I'm grateful to hear that the hard work uh, is at least paying off for you, and so, uh, so thank you for that. Yeah. Well, the timing is everything, isn't it? And I mean, here it is released just on the eve of what will be a jubilee of mercy, a year of mercy that our Holy Father, Pope Francis, has brought forward. And at the heart of that, uh, with mercy, it is so linked, they are so linked with trust. And that, that school of trust you speak of in this book, I think, is instrumental in helping us prepare for that tremendous jubilee. Yeah, it was interesting how that that kind of worked out. I mean, like I said, we just finished the book uh, last month, and then you know, not too long ago, we heard about the Year of Mercy being introduced, and that's that's really what I mean. That really gets to the heart of what the book is about. The subtitle, you know, the main title is the second greatest story ever told, but the subtitle is now is the time of mercy, and the the, the whole book really is is a it's really explaining and helping people to understand and fully appreciate. Um, something that Pope, jo- Pope St. John Paul, St. John the 23rd inaugurated uh, mm-hmm. when he inaugurated the Second Vatican Council, Pope John Paul II, Pope Francis, Pope Benedict, 
that all of these popes, uh, in one way or another, have been pointing to uh, this idea that we're living in a time of extraordinary grace and mercy. And now with Pope Francis, who, I mean, he talks about mercy so much, and now he's declared this year of mercy, it's very important to understand, like, what is going on? Why is there all this talk of mercy? And so um, that's really what I was trying to to share in the book, is, is to help people understand what that means that we're living in this time of mercy, how we came to it, and how we can sort of tap into the graces that are available for it. So it was really, it was really providential, I think, that it, that it came at this time, and I hope that it's going to help prepare people for that great year of mercy. And you help us to remember the, the greatest story ever told, the first greatest story ever told, and that's important for us to keep it in perspective, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. The, I mean, uh, the first greatest story is, of course, the story of sacred scripture, the story of Jesus, Mary, Joseph, the apostles, uh, the story of biblical salvation history. Uh, but my argument in the book, and this is why I call it, I mean, it's a bit provocative, I admit, uh, the second greatest story ever told is this idea that it's, it's my argument in the book is that the story surrounding John Paul II, which includes St. Faustina, St. Maximilian Kolbe, Our Lady Fatima, that that story, that modern story that took place last century, is really the greatest story in church history. That's a bold claim, but I, I make a lot of arguments in the book that this really is the most amazing story in church history. Um, and my argument is that the reason God is giving such an amazing story, and it really is amazing when you get into it, um, is, that, is that God wants to share with us something that seems too good to be true. And in order to underscore it, in order to really help us to believe it, He's giving us this amazing testimony of this story to show us it really is truth. And in a time of, according to John Paul II, unprecedented evil, which is the time we're living in now, uh, God wants to give unprecedented grace. And for us to really believe that, I mean, of course it says in, in Romans 5, verse 20, where sin abounded, grace abounded all the more. So we can believe the word of Scripture, but also to have the testimony of John Paul II, St. Faustina, St. Maximilian Colby, Our Lady Fatima, to point us to the fact that this really is a time of extraordinary grace and mercy, that God's love, God's mercy won't be outdone by evil, and that God is pouring out even greater graces for our time, in a certain sense, making it even easier than ever before to become a saint. You know, that's great news, but to be convinced of that news, we need a powerful and authoritative testimony. And we find that testimony in the story surrounding John Paul II, with Faustina, with Max McColby, with Fatima, which is, I believe, the second greatest story ever told. So I hope others will agree with that, uh, but it's a testimony that now is the time of mercy. That's the one thing that I just adored about the book is that it's saturated with the witness of the saints. Their story is also our story. It's all they are all leading us and teaching us in what you have termed the school of trust. Yeah, no, absolutely. That it's like um, you know what I was following on what I was just saying about that. This is a time of mercy, precisely because it's a time of great evil. Also. Um, points us to that the heart of that story is, the heart of that message of now being the time of mercy, is that we should not give in to discouragement or despair, um, even if it seems like things are, um, you know, as my, my, my dad used to say, going to hell in a handbasket, basket. <laughs> like, even if it seems, as Pope John Paul II himself even said, that, that we deserve in our day like a flood, like in the day of Noah, that we should not be afraid. In fact, those were John Paul II's words in his inaugural homily. Be not afraid, echoing the words of Christ from Scripture, that we need not be afraid. Why not? Because of the mercy of God, the love that's more powerful than evil, which is being poured out in a great and extraordinary way in our time. 
so it's really, um, you know, in our day, above all, I think, God is really inviting us to trust in his mercy. That's why he even uh, gave that, you know, image, which is kind of all over the place now in so many parishes, the image of divine mercy, which has the signature at the bottom, Jesus, I trust in you. You know, you can sort of take that image as sort of the icon of our time right now. Uh, where What God is wanting from us, above all, is not to give in to discouragement, not to give in to fear, uh, but to trust in God's mercy. You know, even with ISIS and all of the terrorism and things, you know, their goal is to get us to fear. The goal is to get us to give in to terror, to give it fear. And, and, uh, and what God is saying is, trust in me. You know, I have a love more powerful than evil, more powerful than death. And if you trust in me, you will not be disappointed. Those are his exact words to St. Faustina, and it's really true. You know, it's really touched that even the, the adage, the school of trust, is mm-hmm. it comes following the pontificate of Pope Benedict XVI, who taught us so much once again about those witnesses of the saints, but also of what has become his Wednesday audiences that was termed the school of prayer. And mm-hmm. that... It, it's interesting that, that that time would come just prior to this time of the school of trust, just because with prayer, that's how we foster that relationship, isn't it? So that we can begin to trust. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's sort of the, the, the two go hand in hand, trust and prayer, and that um, sometimes, it's, sometimes even trust is, the, is the, starting, you know, the starting line of prayer, because um, a lot of times people are afraid to enter into prayer. They're afraid to enter into the presence of God because, you know, as the Catechism of the Catholic Church uh, commented on the fall of Adam and Eve, that, you know, that original sin was a result that humanity let their trust in their Creator die in their heart, and that all subsequent sin would be lack of trust in God's goodness. And because, as the Catechism also says, we have a distorted image of God, so many of us, as a result of original sin, He's trying to heal that. I mean, that's really what the school of trust is all about, is that throughout the whole Old Testament, throughout the New Testament, even throughout all of church history, God is trying to get us broken creatures who are, who are kind of tend to be afraid of God, have a false image of Him, to begin to trust in Him. And what is prayer? But go, approaching the Lord or allowing ourselves to be enveloped by His presence and His love, um, what is prayer but opening the door of our hearts to allow that grace of Christ to come in, allow that conversation and that heart-to-heart with God. But that before we can even begin prayer, really what we need is, is to first trust God. Because if we're constantly running away from God, like Adam and Eve in the garden, when they heard God walking in the garden after their sin, what do they do? They, they went and hid. Uh, if we go and hide all the time from God because we don't understand Him, we don't understand His love and His goodness, then we'll never really enter into prayer. And so in a certain sense, the starting point of prayer is trust that we not run away from God's awesomeness, which as we stay put, as we allow ourselves to enter into his mystery, we realize that it's a mystery of mercy. There's no need to be afraid, and that it's his love that you know, transforms us and, and brings us deeper into prayer. So, so yeah, those two, prayer, trust, both of those, the school of trust and the school of prayer really go hand in hand. It's so almost as though the Father is saying to us, when have I never responded to your needs? And, and we have to remember not only in our personal life, but also in, in the life of mankind, and particularly the life of the church. And you do that so well, Father Gately. I mean, you give us a vantage point of our period in the last 1,500 years and put it in a perspective that I, I've rarely seen in other books I, or in other works. I want to say, because I, I, my hope is that this will encompass 
the same type of uh, catechizing in this new evangelization as the 33 days of morning glory, because that perspective that you offer us helps us to remember so that we can trust. Well, that's a, thank you. I, uh, that's really the hope of it. I mean, I, I mentioned earlier, I was, uh, I was a professional seminarian, and I think uh, there was 15 years of studies toward the priesthood, and I think, I think the reason why God did that in his providence is because um, I'm a very broken little soul, and he had a lot of work to do. And the biggest work that he had to do for, on me and in me is really teach me to trust in his goodness and to trust in his mercy. And it really took those 15 years, even up to now, um, to really begin to understand the mystery of his mercy. And the more I, I entered into that mystery, the more it really it helped me so much in my spiritual life. So I hope that really is my hope and prayer with all of the books is that each one of those books is in a certain sense autobiographical because um, it's really just uh, sharing, you know, the testimony of God's mercy and how transformative it's been for me. And I hope it will be transformative um, for other people as well. Uh, Part of it is just making connections we may not have been aware of. I mean, Poland, for example, the history of Poland Mm -hmm. and how significant that truly has been as Mm -hmm. a a crucible, essentially, uh, for the faith and how it has spread out for all of us. Thank you so much for putting that fascinating portion in the book. Yeah, isn't it wasn't that amazing about the history of Poland? I, see, I um, during my my marathon time in the seminary, I spent a, a year in Poland. Uh, my community has a, a, a seminary in Poland, and I, I lived there and I studied uh, Polish history, Polish language, Polish culture, and that was one of the most amazing things. Like I, the reason I went is I wanted to learn more about Saint Faustina, who had, and John Paul II, who had influenced me so much and really had helped me to learn to trust in God's mercy. But I was so amazed as I was getting into the history, I was getting into the culture of just um, how, you know, this, the amazing story of John Paul II, which I'd heard before, the amazing story of St. Faustina, which I'd heard before, I was beginning to realize this is part of a much larger story, of the story of Poland, which, has, which God has used in so many ways to save at least Western Europe, if not the world. And it, it's, it's neat, like for me, especially in writing this book, you know, when I started it, I didn't realize all the connections that are made in the book. You know, that's kind of the neat thing about writing a book is you're also learning as you're going along and doing the research. And one of the great connections for me was just seeing how to really understand John Paul II, to really understand St. Faustina, to really understand St. Maximilian Kolbe. It really is important to understand the Polish history. And, um, you know, for any of the listeners who are thinking, well, I've heard these stories before. I've heard John Paul. I know about him, I know about Faustina, I know about Maximilian Kolbe. But the idea is the goal of the book is really to bring out connections that most people have never heard of before. And to showing that God's providence works in an amazingly beautiful way, weaving a tapestry and a narrative that he, he likes to bring. You know, There's a phrase that they say, uh, saints grow together in clusters, right? And, um, and really what he's done is, is he's, he's brought all of these stories together. And when you see them all together at once as one story for our modern time, it's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is the time of mercy. God is doing something unprecedented in our time. And that's good news. Okay, because part of this tapestry is not only the story of Poland and of the saints that you just mentioned. Let's not forget, and you mentioned it, alluded to it earlier, about the devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus through St. Margaret Mary and the work of St. Claude de Colombier. 
But then you also tie in a very important element, and that is the message and the work of Our Lady of Fatima. Mm-hmm. And that whole portion about the consecration and the efforts that the world has made, in, in, and pr- the popes in particular, that mercy pope, St. John Paul, that needs to be clearly articulated. And you've done that, and you've tied them all together. Well, well thank you for that. You know, it's, that was one of the epiphanies that came to me in, in writing it is, is coming to realize, like a lot of times, and there are certain groups out there that they'll look at, well, Fatima, this thing, this consecration hasn't been satisfied or whatever, so now the world's all doomed, and if we just do this, but the idea is really getting in the book, it's it's realizing that God can write straight with crooked lines, like that, I think that's how the phrase goes, I may be butchering it, but anyway, that that the nature the, the nature of mercy, or the power of God's mercy, is that it can bring not only good out of evil, but an even greater good out of evil. And what's amazing to me is, like, this, this is a small example of that narrative. It's like, um, you know, you think of Our Lady of Fatima. She came to Fatima while World War I was raging, and she asked that, you know, Russia be consecrated to her, that people convert, that people pray the rosary, etc. Well, that didn't happen. And she said, and she warned, if, if, that's not ha- if that doesn't happen, there's going to be a worse war that's going to come. Well, that war came. And so it seems like, okay, great, so it's a failure. Fatima was a failure. No, because what our Blessed Mother did, she said, okay, they didn't listen, Fatima, and so the war came. And so what she did is she inspired so many people during the war to become these martyrs who would give their lives up out of love and, out, and for the faith, and that the blood of those martyrs is now the seed of, that was the seed of the time of mercy in the Church that we are enjoying today that the 20th century was the bloodiest century in human history. That's horrible. But the nature of God's mercy is he was able to bring good out of that evil. How? Well, because the blood of all of those countless martyrs, of more, of more martyrs than all other centuries combined, that, the blood of those martyrs is now washing over us, so to speak, in the 21st century. And that that's, why, that's part of why we're in this time of mercy. That yes, there was an evil, but just like in the Paschal Mystery, just as Christ's blood flowed from the cross and brought about, you know, is the sanctification of our souls and then the resurrection following that. Similarly, the passion of the Church, the passion of of the members of the body of Christ in the 20th century is now leading to this time of mercy in our century. But the question is, are we going to make use of the graces that are available to us? Are we going to tap into those graces that are flowing from the blood of those martyrs? And that's really the drama that we are all living in now. And this is kind of how the second greatest story can continue in us. And it's really the question, will it continue in us? Will we make use of the graces that are available to us? Will we consecrate ourselves totally to Jesus through Mary? Will we trust completely in the mercy of God? Will we be merciful to others? Will we cry out for mercy for ourselves and on the whole world? That's the drama that we're actually in now as this time of mercy is given to us now, but we have to make a choice. And my hope is with the book is that it will inspire people to make that choice for life and for mercy and for love to help build a civilization of love that's based on a trusting in God's mercy, a reception of his merciful love, and a pouring of that merciful love out to others. So, but it's, it's neat because the story continues with us, and, and, uh, and it's based on our free will. We're talking with Father Michael Gately about his book, The Second Greatest Story Ever Told, Now is the Time of Mercy. And that's—you just hit on it, Father Gately. This is why this book is so special, because it's not just a history book. If catechesis is about teaching us not only about history and about our faith, but it's to help it come alive 
entrance into our own hearts. That's what this book does because this story doesn't end. It's not just, you know, okay, and so now uh, St. John Paul is canonized and, okay, that's the end of this period. No, because as you've said and you've implored and you've helped us with your other works as well, now it's your story. What are you going to do? How are you participating? This this mercy isn't just in the, the world, but it's it's for you and your family and your own life. And sometimes we miss that, don't we? Yeah, I mean, it's... That's the thing is with a gift, all of God's gifts, they're a gift, but they're also a task. And, you know, that this time of mercy is amazing news. It's awesome news. It's, it's such a gift, but there's also, with every gift, there also comes a task. With every, you know, there's too much given, much is expected. And the idea is, thankfully, what's expected for us is just to live the mercy that we've been shown. But before we can live that mercy, we first have to experience that mercy. And so that's that's my hope, is that the book will inspire people, especially with this year of mercy approaching, that they'll really delve into, like, what is all of this mercy's talk about? Why is everybody talking about mercy? And and that they'll hopefully get uh, beyond just the superficialities of it. Oh, there's just this picture, and there's this chaplet, and there's this Faustina and John Paul like this stuff. But to go deeper and to realize this message of mercy gets to the heart of sacred scripture. The Catechism of the Catholic Church says that the, that, the, that the gospel is the good news of God's mercy for sinners, that God doesn't love us because we're so good, funny, talented, and all the things that we're attracted to in people. God loves us because we need his love. And it's the good news that, the, as it says in the Dyer Faustina, the greater the sin is, the greater his right to my mercy. It's the good news that Jesus didn't come for the righteous, but for sinners. It's the good news that Jesus has the heart of the good shepherd who will even leave behind the 99 to go in search in the, of the lost sheep. That's the gospel. That's sort of evangelical Catholicism in a way, of realizing that, yes, we're all sinners, but Jesus is pouring out this great mercy. And when we encounter it in a personal relationship with Jesus and his mercy, that's what Pope Francis calls the joy of the gospel. We all want joy. We all want happiness. And Pope Francis is emphasizing the way we come to the joy of the gospel, the way we come to Christian happiness, true happiness, is when we experience Jesus in his mercy, that we present our sins to him and we trust in his merciful love. We experience that merciful love and we cannot but respond with joy. And we want, that's a joy and that's a gift that we want to share with others. Until we really get that, until we experience the joy of the gospel, until that fire of God's love is burning in our hearts, we haven't fully uh, arrived at where Christ wants us to be in terms of our Christian walk. There needs to be that conversion, that experience of Christ in a living personal relationship with him. And that relationship and that, 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 that personal relationship with him comes through an experience of his mercy. So I hope in this year of mercy we'll all go deeper in that relationship with him. If we haven't had that relationship with him, that we'll discover it and that we'll spread it to others. The great witnesses for those missionary of charity sisters, their founders is Blessed Mother Teresa. And yeah. they experienced hard times. They were in and have been and still are in very dangerous parts of the world. And yeah. they, they see things that most of us will never see. And yet they have that joy and they have that trust. You know, there's so many people that are listening to you right now that they're, they're steeped in fear. They're afraid about whether it's the economy or, as you said, what the events that are occurring in the world and the people who have declared war on even on our faith. 
mm-hmm. and there are those martyrs out there. There, there is a climate of this underlying fear. How can we get to that kind of joy then that is experienced by those little women, but also for those who are in much more peril than we are? Yeah, you know, that's that's a, a great question, and that that's really, <clears throat> I mean, in essential, I'd say, you know, how do we live this time of mercy? How do we experience the joy of the Lord in that? And uh, I hope this doesn't sound bad, but I mean, as I mean it, that's the reason I wrote the book is is to read the book, read the second greatest story ever told, because it's it's one thing to just hear people say, oh, it's this time of mercy and Jesus loves you. Well, first and foremost, obviously, read scripture and understand it from that. But we have scripture and tradition. And, you know, so read sacred scripture. And what my argument is with this book is that this is the greatest story in sacred tradition, so to speak, in the terms of the church history. Not not my book in specific, like this is the greatest book. What I'm saying is the story that this book covers, John Paul II, St. Faustina, St. Maximilian Kolbe, Our Lady of Fatima, this is an amazing, amazing uh, period of church history. And when we really realize that these things are rooted in scripture and they're rooted with in what's going on right now. They're rooted on what God is doing uh, in His mercy for the church right now. Then it begins to convince people like, oh my gosh, this is real. This isn't just like a PR move on the part of the church. Like, hey, it's the time of mercy. Everybody be happy and joyful, right? It's like, this is, this, this is there's a real gift about living in the time we're living in now. Like I would say, in a certain sense, the saints who have gone before us who are in heaven, and they're looking at us with a holy envy. They're saying, <laughs> because they're saying, man, I wish I lived then. Look at all the graces that are available to them. But again, it may seem too good to be true. And so the purpose of the book is really to convince people it is true. It really is real. This is a time of great grace and mercy. And when we become convinced that it's true, that, that removes any of the obstacles that prevent us from really, I think, drawing close to the heart of Jesus. And when we realize that, it helps us to delve more deeply into the heart of sacred scripture, which is God's mercy for sinners. So, Father Michael Gately, I wish we had more time. I really wish we had more time. But in these final moments, any final thoughts? Um, yeah, the final thought is, you mentioned earlier, there's another book that I did called Consoling the Heart of Jesus. And I think for me, that's really the, the, the main, <laughs> that gets to the heart of why especially um, we want to make use of this time of mercy, is that Jesus' heart, according to St. Faustina, is broken. Because what's the main thing that breaks his heart, according to Faustina? He said to her, it's when those that are closest to me don't trust in me. Mm. And that in this time of mercy, I invite everybody, let's console the heart of Jesus, which is aching so much because he wants to pour out his mercy, and so many are afraid to approach him. And so let's learn, let's learn and make that prayer our own that's at the bottom of of the divine mercy image. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. So I leave us with that. May that, that prayer be on our lips, especially as we prepare for the year of mercy. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Father Michael Gailey. No, thank you for having me on the show, Chris. It's, it's always a pleasure. With Father Michael Gately, we've gone inside the pages of The Second Greatest Story Ever Told. Now is the time of mercy. To learn more about this book or to obtain a copy, go to marianmissionaries.org the website for its publisher Marian Press or you can find it at any fine Catholic bookstore to hear and or to download this discussion along with many others go to discerninghearts.com this has been a production of discerninghearts.com I'm your host Chris McGregor join me next time for 
Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors.